Hi, I'm Robin Birkin and welcome to the Fertility Warriors podcast, a place for women struggling to conceive to find emotional support, conception advice and real talk. To me, being a warrior means true glory is in rising every time we fall, having the courage to be afraid and being ready for whatever challenges cross our path. So welcome, warrior. You're on your way. I promise to support and guide you on every single episode. Let's begin. Hello. Thanks for allowing me to join you today, whatever you're doing. So maybe you're on a walk, maybe you're in the shower, maybe you're driving to work, wherever you are. I just wanted to drop in and say huge thanks for listening to the Fertility Warriors podcast. And also, please make sure you subscribe. We have a weekly podcast episode. And if you subscribe, that not only helps more people reach the podcast or find the podcast, but it also makes sure that you get notified of every juicy episode that we drop. So please make sure you subscribe. And now I think we'll get straight into it. I have the funny feeling that today's podcast episode is going to be one of the most downloaded and most popular podcast episodes that we do. I was originally going to put it in the My Missing Peace membership, but I was like, no, pretty sure I want everybody to have access to this. We are talking about an action plan for anyone out there with polycystic ovarian syndrome. So sometimes this is known as PCOS, And it's pretty much one of the most common causes of infertility. And in actual fact, they reckon that about 70% of people with PCOS are undiagnosed. So what exactly is it? Well, the the internet is actually littered with information out there, but there's still a lot to understand about it. And there's lots of women who are still searching for answers within our Fertility Warriors support and chat group. So I wanted to put together this kind of monster podcast on all things PCOS and what you can do to improve your cycles and your fertility if you have PCOS. We're kind of going to dive into all of the things that I think are really important for you to understand and all of the things that I think will have a huge impact on you if you are suffering with polycystic ovarian syndrome. So the first thing that I wanted to say is that PCOS is a little bit different to just having polycystic ovaries. Many people can just have polycystic ovaries, um, but there is a difference for people who have PCOS, uh, which is kind of a number of symptoms and also this repeated cycle of symptoms that are going on. So that's probably a great place to start. What exactly are the symptoms of PCOS. So some of the hallmark symptoms of PCOS are stubborn weight. So some of you may be living in a bigger body or some of you might have this stubborn weight that just won't go away. And a lot of the times it's like weight that kind of hangs around the midline. Uh, So that typical apple shape. You can also get lean PCOS. So there's four types of PCOS. I'm not going to go into exactly all of the types of PCOS. I will refer you to some resources at the end, but there's four types of PCOS. One of them is actually called lean PCOS. 
So you don't always have to be a bigger bodied woman to be suffering with PCOS. You can also have lean PCOS. So stubborn weight is one of the biggest, I guess, hallmarks of PCOS. You may also have non-existent or really scant periods. Uh, So you may go, you know, like once every 60 days or once every 120 days with a period. You may basically exist without getting a period. And we'll talk about kind of what causes that every month. And I'm going to break it down for you in the easiest way, the most (laughs) non-scientific way that I can to make it easy to understand. But if you are suffering with those two things, like I would hazard a guess that PCOS could be a thing for you. Even if it's not, you can still implement the things that we'll talk about later. And I still think that they will have a really big impact on your cycles, the way you feel, all of that stuff as well. So you may have hair in all the wrong places. Um, So that may be like hair around like the bottom of your cheeks. What do you call that? Like your jowls or your jaw area. You may have like hair around your tummy area, but you may also have thinning hair on top of your head. So basically you may have hair in all the wrong places and where you actually want hair, it's really thinning. There's lots more symptoms to PCOS, but those are the four main symptoms that if you are suffering with those symptoms, I would hazard a guess that PCOS is a thing for you. A lot of the times they actually will diagnose, you know, like teenagers and things like that with PCOS incorrectly. When we are really, really young, our hormones do all kinds of wacky things, but it's mainly when we get like into our late 20s and our early 30s and we're still having these symptoms that it then becomes, I guess, kind of a flag that something is not 100% right and that may lean towards having PCOS. So what exactly is it? Well, it's characterized by a hormone imbalance and usually that is an excess of androgen hormones. So hormones like testosterone. So if you go through the podcast and you have a listen, I've got one podcast that talks all about ovulation and we talk about exactly what happens, what our hormones are doing and things like that during ovulation. But It's basically a hormone imbalance. So many uh, things related to infertility are hormone imbalances. But basically what happens is each month your ovaries release lots of little fluid-filled cysts inside your ovaries, which basically just means you have lots of little follicles. So we all have lots of little follicles, but they don't mature. So it's like your body is like, trying to ovulate. So you need to have, you know, like one or like a few dominant follicles that will then develop into eggs and then they'll release an egg. When you have PCOS, it's like you have all of lots of these little follicles, but they just can't quite mature and therefore they don't release the egg. And therefore, if they don't release the egg, then you don't ovulate. And if you don't ovulate, you don't get a period. Okay. And basically, if you get a period, it's pretty much guaranteed that you've ovulated. If you don't get a period, then it's pretty much guaranteed that you haven't ovulated, okay? So the exact cause of PCOS is kind of unknown. 
They're doing all of this research and really interesting research into PCOS, but the exact cause, the exact sort of what's going on of PCOS is still a little bit of a mystery. But they have done studies, for example, on rats that have shown by creating the right or or wrong symptoms in the mother rats, they've caused PCOS in an infertility in their offspring. So when we're looking at things like PCOS, it can be, you know, something that has gone on before you. And if we have a look at 20 or 30 years ago, even at the age when our mums were like having us, Things like, have a look at the diet industry and things like that. There were so many changes. One of the biggest changes was this, you know, I guess the advent of convenience foods and processed foods and things like cling wrap uh, that, you know, is full of things that we now know can uh, really affect our fertility, such as BPA. So we can't blame our parents in any way because who knows and so much of the research is still sketchy so many of the companies are still sketchy it kind of reminds me of everything that happened with cigarettes and there were things that the companies knew but they didn't really tell us and then all of this information came out years later that showed how bad these things were for us but nobody knew at the time and these things were promoted so so heavily at the time. So what I want to basically say is you can't blame yourselves. You can't blame your parents either, but that it might not be something that you are doing right now in this moment that has caused PCOS. It might be something that literally happened before you were born. Okay. But I do want to give you some hope. There is so much, like literally there is so much that can be done for PCOS in terms of lifestyle interventions. Okay, and that's what we're going to talk about a little bit later. There are major things that you can do that can have a major, major impact. And a lot of that comes down to insulin resistance. So when you have PCOS, you often will have a level of insulin resistance, which is kind of what they have when people have diabetes. And I think it's also really important, you know, whether you are going down the route of IVF, whatever it may be, uh, when you have PCOS, you have a high chance of later developing diabetes and also a high chance of developing gestational diabetes. We also want to remember that whatever, I guess, lifestyle changes that we implement, when I talked previously about, you know, the study that they've done in rats, what you do in your pregnancy And in your preconception, so before you fall pregnant, can also have an impact on your future babies. So you have so much power in your hands. I really want to empower you with this episode to make some changes, to do the best that you can. And even if, you know, you need to take it the next step and require some medical help to fall pregnant, know that in making changes, you are doing the best thing that you can for your future baby. While I'm here and before I start talking about the changes that you can make, I wanted to address kind of an elephant in the room and something that I've become acutely aware of recently 
And that is the whole discussion around weight and fertility or weight and infertility or weight and fertility clinics. So a lot of fertility clinics, you'll get there and if you suffer with PCOS and if you, you know, have this stubborn weight that does not want to budge, you might land at a fertility clinic and they might start talking about the need to lose weight. And that can be something that is really confronting and really hard. And sometimes fertility clinics, we certainly should not apologize or give fertility clinic specialists a major grace in this. But I do want you to understand that you know, one of the reasons why I have this podcast and that lots of people tune in is because I talk a lot about the practicalities of things. There are certain professions that, you know, like love the jargon and the technical. So I have dealt a lot with web designers and things like that. And one of the things that my marketing coordinators always used to come back and chat to me about was that they just got off the phone with the web designers and the web designers had just spewed all this information at them They didn't understand what they were talking about and they were kind of jerks about it. And I kind of compare this to some of the old school fertility specialists who you'll get into their office and they can, you know, let you know about your weight. They can have a discussion with you, but that they're having a discussion in a really kind of insensitive way. And like I said, I don't want to excuse their behavior, but There are just some professions and some old school people who just don't know how to go about things in a really tactful and empowering way. And you can leave a fertility clinic feeling really disempowered when they're talking about weight. If that is you and if you have that experience, I want you to know first and foremost that you do have options and that there are fertility clinics out there who will speak to you in a really beautiful manner and treat you like the valued patient that you should be, okay? I do want to also let you know that if you're living in a bigger body, that I know that, and especially if you're dealing with PCOS and, you know, like this weight when you have PCOS is fucking stubborn, like it does not want to shift. And that is partly caused by this insulin resistance. If you are living in a bigger body, there are a few things that I know. I know that you have probably been on 12,000 different diets and probably feel quite hopeless about the whole situation. So then when someone comes to you and says, by the way, you know, like you need to lose weight before we'll accept you into the fertility clinic to do IVF, which There are some valid reasons that they'll do that. They usually say that in your best interest, even if it doesn't feel like it at the time. And they say it in this kind of black and white manner, like it's so easy for you to lose weight and like they're assuming that all you do is eat Twinkies every day, which we know isn't the case. Well, I know that that isn't the case. And I know that you have probably tried every single fucking diet out there and are left feeling really shit about everything. I also know that you may be left with self-confidence that is at rock bottom and that is not helped by people out there who are 
discussing your weight like it's a really, really easy thing to lose and like, you know, you're doing all of the wrong things and when they invalidate you. So I want to let you know that I understand those two challenges. And I really, really, truly like one of the entire modules that we focus on in the Fertility Warrior Intensive Program is self-confidence. Because if you don't have your mind right, if you have this constant dialogue in your head saying, I'm not enough, I'm a failure, I'm doing this all wrong, all of that dialogue, think about the dialogue that might be going on in your head. We all have shitty dialogue that goes on in our head. But if your mind is constantly filled with this self-hate, then it just makes all of the lifestyle changes that I'm about to talk about so much harder. Okay, so if we're looking at like number six, we're going to talk about like mindset and things like that. But if you are embarking on this journey with PCOS, you may be here in a bigger body and wanting to make changes, but dealing with rock bottom self-confidence, that's the start, okay? The start is to look at how you're feeling, how you are talking to yourself and really work on that self-confidence and, you know, work on feeling empowered rather than disempowered and being, I guess, confident enough to change suppliers to let people know when it's not okay to treat you the way that they're treating you and also to know that you have so many options out there. So when we talk today about the changes that you can make, I'm focusing mainly on correcting insulin resistance. I'm not necessarily talking about losing weight. I think losing weight is a byproduct of lifestyle changes that we make to make us healthy. The goal should always be health and wellness, correcting an insulin imbalance, which is basically just, you know, like a sign that our body is a little bit out of whack. When our bodies are out of whack, it manifests itself in many different ways. For people with PCOS, this is how your body being out of whack manifests. But we should be aiming for health and wellness, and that includes emotional wellness and not just quick weight loss. And that's a very long-winded way of saying that I don't believe there is a quick fix or a fad diet or a magic bullet that is going to magically cure your PCOS. And I don't want you to focus on band-aid solutions anyway, because we can have a huge impact on the way you feel and like everything in your body from some of the things I'm going to suggest. So Stop teasing it all, Robin. Let's start with it. So diet is the number one way that we can impact our insulin levels. So exactly what diet are we talking about? I'm not talking about something like the keto diet. The reason, if you go to my past podcast, like only a couple of episodes back, I talk about why you shouldn't go through with the keto diet. But what is one of the core reasons why so many people who have PCOS recommend the keto diet? One of the reasons that it's like kind of works is because of sugar, okay? What do we want to do when we're correcting insulin resistance? What we want to do is stop the spikes 
in blood sugar levels, okay? We want to stop those rapid spikes and start to even it out. What exactly is insulin resistance? So basically your body has a preferred source of fuel, which is glucose. Um, It really likes to burn energy from carbohydrates. But sometimes, you know, like if you'll go back to my podcast with Joe Atkinson, a nutritionist, we talk about eating slow carbs rather than no carbs. And what that basically means is some carbohydrates, i.e. processed food, sugars, things like white bread, can give us quite a rapid blood sugar spike. So basically that means that we eat the food and then the glucose from that food rapidly enters our bloodstream and like spikes it. Okay. Whenever we have spikes or rises in blood sugar, our pancreas releases something called insulin that helps push like the blood sugar, the the glucose that is, you know, floating around our blood into our cells to convert them into energy. Okay. But when you have insulin resistance, it basically means that the cells, your liver, your kidneys, things like that resist taking on that insulin. So then you end up with high blood sugar levels. And what can happen is if that is continues for a long period of time, not only are you more susceptible to things like diabetes, that's also uh, like a pre-factor for things like a heart attack or a stroke. So, you know, we really want to focus on correcting the insulin resistance that is going on so that your cells become more ready to absorb the insulin that is released from your pancreas. When you have insulin resistance, basically all that happens is your pancreas are working overtime to just produce and produce and produce insulin like a hamster on a wheel to try and get that insulin to help push the blood sugar into your cells. You don't need to know the ins and outs, but what you need to know is that you don't want to continue spiking your blood sugar levels. Sugar is the number one way that we do that. And that comes down to refined sugar and not just refined sugar. But, you know, like if you are having lots of processed food, you might find that there's lots of sugar added in there. You might find that if you are eating lots of things like maple syrup and refined carbohydrates. So refined carbohydrates like bread, like white rice and things like that. Do you need to eliminate all of your white bread? I'd probably say yes and aim for a slower carb product. So if you have go back even further to about a year back, you will find my interview with Jo Atkinson, a nutritionist. She has endorsed and approved our Fertility Warrior Diet, which now sits inside the membership. But we talk all about slow carbs instead of no carbs. Does that mean that you can't eat some rice and things like that every now and again? No, that's not what it means, okay? So when we're looking at insulin levels, often people will talk about the glycemic index of food and the glycemic index refers to the blood sugar spike that you get when you eat carbohydrate foods. So for example, when you eat potatoes, I think that the glycemic index of potatoes is something around the 60 mark, right? But when you have 
something that is like less of a refined carbohydrate, then it's much lower. When you have like pure sugar and glucose, then it's higher, right? So we want to aim for things that are lower on the glycemic index. However, here's a little hot tip for you. The glycemic index, and this may be another reason not to go keto, the glycemic index only measures carbohydrates. So if you are eating something that is based on protein, such as cheese or yogurt, then it's not going to be measured by the glycemic index because the glycemic index doesn't measure the blood sugar spike of protein or fat, for example. A much better and a newer way of measuring the blood sugar spike that you get is something that is called the insulin index. So that measures, like everything, that measures purely the blood sugar spike that you get from foods. The insulin index actually shows that a tub of yogurt has the equivalent blood sugar spike of two slices of white bread. I am a firm believer that eliminating gluten and dairy for multiple reasons. Again, I've got another podcast on why you should quit dairy for fertility, but that's why I always recommend cutting out gluten and dairy. Okay. When we are cutting out gluten and dairy, do be mindful that if you just swap out to processed gluten-free flour and things like that, you are again going to end up with blood sugar spikes because so many gluten-free products are produced with highly refined flours and things like that. Okay. So we want to aim for whole foods and slow carbs rather than no carbs. And I'm a firm believer in eliminating gluten and dairy in your diet. Okay. But the main thing you want to eliminate is sugar. The number two change that you can make is fasting. Lots of new information coming out recently about PCOS, insulin resistance, and fasting. So you may have heard of things like the 5-2 diet. There's many different iterations of the 5-2 diet and fasting diets. But one thing you also can do is, for example, fasting for 14 hours every night. Okay, so what that might look like to you is basically fasting from 6 p.m. at night to 8 a.m. in the morning. So that means eat nothing from those times. I find that a lot easier way to fast. But what you are doing when you're doing that is giving everything a chance to reset, giving yourself that chance to have some satiety. That basically means to start feeling hungry and to like to allow yourself to feel those feelings of fullness and feelings of hunger which is what we want. So by fasting for 14 hours or even 16 hours, that gives us our bodies a chance to reset in terms of those levels. And this can be one of the most effective ways for us to like reset our insulin levels and our sensitivity. So number three, a hot tip is to focus on weight-bearing exercises. So that might be walking. Walking has actually been shown to increase muscle tone as opposed to running, for example, which running reduces muscle tone, okay? 
So when we have something like PCOS, we want to look at muscle. Muscle, uh, I guess, burns more calories than fat. And when we compare to running, then running often loses muscle tone, okay? And it doesn't have that long-lasting impact. If you focus on walking or HIIT exercises, then you will be increasing your muscle tone and you'll be helping your body in the long term with like burning energy and things like that. Number four, and this is just a consideration. So a lot of the time I talked about before, you want more long-term approaches. And I'm just going to put this out there as a suggestion rather than talk about it too much. But often they prescribe like metformin if you're at a fertility clinic. It's kind of a Band-Aid solution and it's often ineffective. One thing that you may consider or may have a look into is myo-inositol. Okay, so that's all I'm going to say. You can do your own Googling. Highly recommend you find your own naturopath or nutritionist to look into things, but you may consider a supplement called myo-inositol. Okay. Number five is to really start looking at your environmental toxins and particularly BPA, biphenol A. So it's typically used in plastics. And especially things like the plastics that you use, like cling film or plastics that you heat up your food in. And so it's okay to have, I guess, like dry goods come in a plastic bag or something like that or container. But when they are wet or when they are heated, then that's when it can start releasing fairly toxic chemicals. And people with PCOS have a higher sensitivity. They like you seem to absorb things like BPA much more regularly, which can then be an endocrine disruptor, which can then just perpetuate this cycle, exacerbate your symptoms more. So bifesnol A, and often like some things will say BPA free, but the problem with that is often what they've used as a substitute for BPA. And when you're looking at plastics, look at things that you heat up in the microwave, look at water bottles, all of that kind of stuff. The things that they've used as a substitute for BPA are often just as toxic and harmful. They have exactly the same impact as BPA. And it's just the companies being super sneaky and saying, oh, look, it's okay. We've reduced the BPA yet, but you've produced a substitute that is equally as bad. Motherfuckers. Uh, (laughs) Why do they do this? Anyway, the last thing that I think you can do to really affect the way that your body is functioning with PCOS is to work on improving your stress levels. And this can seem like a what kind of moment, but stress is often a big trigger and a big part of polycystic ovarian syndrome. So what exactly can you do to manage your stress levels? Basically, we've had a thousand podcasts talking about this, but a few things that I recommend is Number one, start writing in a gratitude journal every day. Just look at the things that you're grateful for. It doesn't mean that you have to feel positive and happy all the time, but it just kind of reframes your mind a little bit. Make sure that you are getting enough sleep. Sleep has an incredible effect on all things in our bodies. So many of our genes reset themselves while we're sleeping. But also when we are sleep deprived, we are so much more easily stressed. 
So focus on your sleep, focus on trying to get a good amount of sleep and focus on going to sleep and having a circadian rhythm that is at a reasonable time. So if you're going to bed at 11 p.m. every night, I would suggest that that's not wise and try to go to bed at like that 9, 9.30 mark and wake up, you know, like eight hours later because the sleep that you get prior to midnight is much more effective than the sleep that you get after midnight. So try to really reset your circadian rhythm. Have a look at the podcast that we have all about sleep uh, and that will greatly impact your uh, stress levels and really help you feel like you can take on more of the world. When we are sleep deprived, research has shown that we are so much more likely to crave sweet and high carbohydrate foods. Uh, We feel like we can't cope more easily when we're sleep deprived, all sorts of things like that. The other thing that you can do to really work on your stress levels, if you are feeling really, really stressed, seriously, get help, go see a therapist, join the My Missing Peace membership or the Fertility Warrior Intensive Program, go see a fertility coach, go see a support group, start a support group. There's so many things that you can do, but make sure you are getting some help. And the other thing that I really highly recommend is to start a journal, not just a gratitude journal, but a journal where you actually get to download the way that you are feeling. You get to download what's going on in your life. You get to download just everything that is otherwise being bottled up in your system. So start a journal. And then lastly, start meditating. Even if it feels funny at first, even if you're not sure if you're doing it right, whatever it is, start meditating, guys. It will really impact your journey greatly. And stress can be a huge trigger for PCOS. We really want to start getting everything back in balance in your bodies and it can be done. Here's a few resources at the end of this podcast that I really want to mention if you would like to do some further research. So number one, I have to promote it. It's my Missing Peace membership. So each week as part of our membership, uh, we release a new meal plan as well as one of four topics. So week one, We talk about fertility fixer. So that's where this month we've talked about phthalates, which is often in like candles and fragrance products like our skincare products. We have nourished soul as week two, where we talk all about mindset and looking after yourself. Week three, we talk about feel good food. So I talk about hacks in the kitchen. Uh, And then week four is our wild card week. So it could be anything from a guest expert to a cheat sheet to celebrating a member. Uh, But we also release a meal plan that is gluten and dairy free. So if when I've been talking before about eating gluten and dairy free and you're like, how the hell, what kind of recipes don't include dairy or gluten, then the membership is definitely something to consider. It's basically an entire recipe book uh, with pictures for everything. I produce it in both US and metric measurements and you receive that as a PDF every single week. Each month in the membership, we also provide a meditation and a beautiful affirmation card. It's like peanuts to join, seriously. It's not that expensive. It's the cost of like one dinner out, not even one dinner out. So I highly recommend joining the My Missing Peace membership 
Some other things that you can look into is Dr. Nat Kringudis has a masterclass on debunking PCOS. There is a book by Dr. Fiona McCulloch called Eight Steps to Reverse Your PCOS. This is an amazing resource for PCOS. You will learn so much. She talks about the insulin index. She talks way more about exercises. She talks about all sorts of things that you can do to reverse your PCOS. And there is one other book, which I'll admit I have not read, but it comes highly recommended, and that is called Period Repair Manual. So those are a few resources that I recommend for anyone who is suffering with PCOS. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Feel free to screenshot it and post it to your stories on Instagram if you thought it was helpful and would like to share it with others. Thanks so much for listening and I will catch you at the next episode. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Fertility Warriors podcast with me, your host, Robin Birkin. If you would like more tools, resources, and courses to help you survive your journey, please head to robinburkin.com. And if you like this podcast, please share it with others. I look forward to catching you at the next episode.